A little girl's first ballet class is magical. And. The tights and the leotard, the gelled bun, the new pink ballet slippers. That's what I envisioned for my first ballet class until I met Miss Charlotte. She just danced and pranced around like the perfect ballet teacher. When I met her for the first time, she stuck her long arms and hands down the front and back of my leotard. She grabbed my tights and yanked them all the way up over my ribs. Then she looked me right in the eyes and said, ladies, suck it in. That's when I knew I was in for it. Well, she's all you'd ever want. She's the kind I'd like to flaunt and take to dinner. Whether I liked it or not, but she always knows her place. She's got style, she's got grace. She's a winner. I was in training to become a lady. She's a lady. Oh, 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 she's a lady. While Tom Jones so famously sings about a lady, his sentiments are very prescriptive, a one-size-fits-all. But I don't like the idea that I need to fill a certain prescription of a lady. Sometimes I don't always know my place. And I definitely am not full of grace. Just ask my ballet teacher. I think every girl deserves the opportunity to explore what being a lady means to her. At this point, not only do I want to know what being a lady means to me, I want to discover a little bit more. I want to know if being a lady really matters. Welcome to the first episode of Ladylike a podcast that explores what it means to be a lady to different people, and if it even matters. Let's begin today by talking about the history of ladies. Um, but I mean, the term ladies, you know, you, see, you start to you know, really see this, I would say, kind of Renaissance era. Dr. Heather Belknap, a professor of art history and women's studies at BYU, says that every culture from the beginning has attempted to define a lady women were seen as, 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 uh, you know, property, right. And for exchange and so on. And so the idea was that they were, um, beautiful, well-dressed, that they followed, you know, certain standards of behavior. One thing that's consistent across these cultures is the use of a handbook or a conduct book. That would say things like, don't sit too close to the window so that, you know, because you don't want people on the streets to see you. Do not look a man in the, you know, directly in the eyes, et cetera, et cetera. And this goes on. I mean, there's still, you know, handbooks on what it means to be a lady today. But Dr. Belknap agrees with me that there are still some residual expectations in our society of what ladies do and don't do. <laughs> fart. Burp, fart, or be obnoxious. Fart. So apparently ladies don't fart. Do we really believe that ladies don't fart in the 21st century? I don't know. But as we move on from the history, you'll notice it's mostly men who responded with farting. And I know a guy who farts a lot more than I'd like him to. Meet my husband. They puff, they don't fart if they're a lady. Fluff. Fluff, <laughs> fluff, not fart. Hunter Hallows, he's worked on several political campaigns with Rand Paul and Bernie Sanders, for example. And in his work in the political sphere, I asked him if he thought being a lady mattered from his point of view. I don't think fitting into the stereotype itself is that important because that shouldn't be something that 
if you want to be successful as a woman, you have to fit into that box. He explains that in his opinion, ladylike behavior isn't required, but it can help other women. I think it does set the table for a lot of other people, though. I was reading a quote that Kamala's mother told her that she was going to be the first at a lot of things, but she better make sure that when she is the first, that she's not the last. I think that's why it's important for these ladylike women that are, you know, rising in the ranks of various aspects of society to be ladylike because it has been successful and it can lead to other women being successful where they don't necessarily have to fit into a certain mold. The history of the idealized lady, someone who, you know, follows the conduct book of the time period, has followed us all the way to today. I mean, even my husband can see it in his experience in the political sphere. Now, this idea is reflected in a recent research study where scholars looked at high school social dynamics. Yes, high school. (laughs) According to the study, female athletes who played sports that were perceived as more ladylike, like tennis and cheerleading, were given higher social preference by almost all of their peers. So if women are being ladylike, then society tends to say that they're just trying to tick the boxes. But if they're not ladylike, they sometimes get called things like nasty or dog-like. Listen to this. So she goes to Washington, D.C., and it's a little bit like, a, you know, one of those dog, you know, fetch. And she goes to Washington, D.C. and gets all of these taxes and red tape and bureaucracy and executive orders and, and agencies, and she brings all of this stuff and dumps it on us in Missouri. These are the words of Todd Aiken, a political candidate in Missouri, describing his opponent, Claire McGaskill, who actually, by the way, beat him in a senatorial race twice. But this example isn't isolated. There are plenty of instances where women are touted as unladylike or too accomplished as they are in the pursuit of doing something that doesn't fit the mold. Here's another example. Where I'm like chopping off the rat's head to get their brain out and I throw it against the wall the first time I did it because it twitched. Dr. Amanda Jensen was the first female applicant accepted to her current neurosurgery program in Houston, Texas. It's very... Um, very challenging to get into neurosurgery just because there's only so many programs. And she faced some serious kickback when trying to get into her field. A lot of people tried to talk me out of it saying that I don't fit the mold for a neurosurgeon. I'm not an old grumpy man. (laughs) I'm too nice to be a neurosurgeon. I'm too pretty to be a neurosurgeon. So I've had a whole bunch of things that you'd be very surprised that people have said to me, Um, but I have pursued it and been unapologetically me. As I was interviewing Amanda, she had a certain confidence that I just loved. I could tell that she actually knew what being a lady meant to her, and it didn't matter what any person or any social construct had to say. There are only a handful of people I know in my own life that seem to radiate that same kind of confidence. So I think we need to go back now to where this whole ladylike thing started. My mom, Sherry P. Wodinski. To me, she perfectly fits the term boss lady. She claims she developed all of her skills as a Miss America contestant. That was something I never intended on doing. I was an Idaho farm girl. Uh, surprisingly, I won. And so then I 
had to go to the Miss Idaho pageant the next year and compete for Miss Idaho. Before her pageant glory days, my mom was a bit of a rough and tumble girl. You know, we did. We were. We all rode motorcycles. We all drove snowmobiles. Um, we did some things that sometimes women didn't do. But whatever it was we did, our our dad encouraged us to be the best. And he liked nothing more than we, and we could beat a, a boy in a motorcycle race. Now, my mom was the one who wanted me to become a lady. And some of her lessons might have carried over to my little brother, Will. Like, in terms of society, I don't think the the ladylike and gentlemanly, like, chivalry isn't as much of a thing as it used to be. When I asked Will if he thought being a lady mattered in today's world, this is what he had to say. <sighs> yeah, big sigh. This is where I am at, too. To my understanding, the concept of being a lady or exhibiting ladylike behavior is part of a systematic structure that encouraged women to fill a certain prescription. This isn't to say that women can't and shouldn't find meaning in the home. I mean, my great, my greatest hobby is food. I love to cook. I love to and I love, and entertain. Um, but it's not. I, I don't think I'm sometimes to ask myself. I do this because it's some sort of cultural expectation, but rather it gives me joy. I think me and all the other women who are struggling with what being a lady really means and if it really matters, need to evaluate what we really love. And if we love that hobby or that thing because it's an expectation put on us from years and years of conduct books, or if we love that thing or that hobby because it it's us. Like I'm here in a pink blazer. I love pink. I wear like, pink scrunchies to work, whatever. So I'm not trying to change myself to fit their mold. I'm just being me in the field of neurosurgery. And I can, I'm showing them that it is possible. You can be a nice person in neurosurgery. You can be a woman in neurosurgery. Well, you're talking about being ladylike and I guess I'm phrasing it more as being your best self. And your best self can enjoy hot wings. There's nothing wrong with enjoying a hot wing, right? Even if I get it all over my face, mom? Yeah, even if you get it all over your face, it's about being your best self. And if your self loves hot wings, eat your hot wings. Not every <laughs> woman needs to wear makeup. Not every woman needs to wear fancy clothes or jewelry. It's all about being your best self, whatever that self is. And I think when you are your best self, your own ladylike qualities, whatever they are, will come through. Spoken like a true Miss America contestant. Here's the deal. Whether you're sporting hot wing sauce all over your face, demanding respect in the operating room, being tough and aggressive on Capitol Hill, or jacking up your tights to fit that sparkly pink tutu, these ladies said it well. Just be your best self. Touche, Miss Charlotte. Special thanks to Dr. Heather Belknap, Dr. Amanda Jensen, Sherry P. Wardinsky, Will Wardinsky, Hunter Hallows, Tom Jones, Errol Smith, and Ben Sound, royalty-free music. Join us next time on Ladylike.